atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman and Kirk Crosby live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the network refused to use. No doubt continues. This is indeed the broadcast for August the 6th in the year of our Lord, 2019. This is our two of two, and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country on your radio in the traditions of our founding fathers. All right, we've got our buddy Patrick Simmons with us, National Right to Work Legal Defense Foundation, righttowork.org. Welcome back, my friend. Good morning, Sam. All right. I want to give you a chance. Uh, everybody's making a comments on the shootings that took place. There's a, a feverish pitch here. Uh, and our prayers go out to the victims and those that are suffering uh, as well. Uh, any comment on that real quick? I know it's not really uh, related to right to work, but I, I do know that, you know what? Most of us care. Most of us care about this. Uh, but we need calm heads to prevail, Patrick. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's mostly just you want to keep people in, in your thoughts and prayers and trying times especially, um, but, uh, you know, that's, that's really it. I, it's always a shame to see things get politicized so quickly, but uh, I guess that's just the, the world we live in these days. Well, I think that's the, the salient point here is I think we need to back off from the political stuff. I think we should stand together as Americans in solidarity in thoughts and prayers and, and, and hope and, and take a step back and let cooler heads and love and kindness prevail uh, and look at it through the lens of, you know, what can we really do to improve things, uh, not attack one another, not make it political and divisive. Yeah, I think that that's exactly correct. All right, Patrick Simmons with us, ladies and gentlemen, righttowork.org, and there's a lot to cover. There's been some changes in, in the last few weeks, huh? Well, um, yeah, there's been, a, there's been a lot going on uh, in our uh, area of, of labor law, that's for sure. Uh, one of the big changes that I see is uh, Rand Paul has gone on the big-time offensive uh, in defense of right to work, and he's really pushing the Right to Work Act uh, quite a bit more than I've seen him recently, right? Yeah, well, this is, you know, uh, it's, a, it's a real important time to, to do this. And, and Rand Paul makes the point, and, and we make the point, the National Right to Work Committee makes the point that, uh, you know, look, you, you, you look at the, the House uh, currently in Congress, um, a right-to-work bill is not going to get through there. But putting everyone on the record, especially right now, especially knowing that uh, the union bosses are planning on using forced dues uh, to try and buy this election, uh, to try and get themselves back into power. If we can get everyone on the record right now on a National Right to Work Act, make them take a clear stand, either be for freedom, for letting workers choose, for making union bosses earn their dues by getting workers to voluntarily support them, that's one side, or being on the side of coercion and forcing people and telling workers you pay up or you be fired. Um, and we know the American people are on the freedom side of that argument. And so if we can force a vote on this in the House and in the Senate, that's going to be a winning issue um, with this upcoming election. And it's going to be uh, it's going to go a long way to stop uh, union bosses from getting sweeping into power uh, and, and really doing some truly terrible things that they want to do uh, in the area of labor law. And Rand Paul took the time actually to record a message and to send it out to everybody, highlighting uh, the problem to get people's arms around it. Here's what he had to say. 
Hello, this is Senator Rand Paul. I want to take a moment to talk to you about a problem that has wreaked havoc on the lives and livelihoods of millions of working Americans. This is a problem that has crippled America's competitive edge, forced countless companies overseas, and has polluted our political process for nearly a half a century. The problem I'm talking about is the power granted by our federal government, which authorizes union officials to force men and women to pay union dues or be fired. This idea that working Americans should be forced to pay dues to a labor union just to keep their jobs is, well, it's just plain un-American. That's why I want to tell you about a nationwide effort underway right now to remove from federal labor law these provisions which give union officials the power to corral workers and their money under union monopoly control. That's why it's so important to put the union bosses on the defensive with a roll call vote on the National Right to Work Act. And just getting a vote is a win-win scenario. You see, 80% of Americans agree with you and I that it's just plain wrong to force workers to pay to a union boss as a condition of employment. So either politicians vote to free workers from the shackles of forced unionism, or they face the wrath of voters in the next election. The one-page National Right to Work Act I have sponsored will not add a single word to existing law. Rather, it will remove from the federal labor law those provisions which give union officials control over American workers, who must either comply with the union boss's demands or be fired. You've heard it said before, absolute power corrupts absolutely. Well, the absolute power granted to union bosses by the federal government costs American workers nearly $11 billion every year in forced dues alone. And every year, big labor spends billions of dollars trying to buy elections, influence votes, and viciously attack politicians who stand against forced union dues. Through boilerplate phone banks, midnight mail drops, union-paid election staffers and political operatives, and their deceptive television and radio smear campaigns, the union bosses run a well-greased political machine. All paid for with money ripped off from the pockets of hard-working Americans. Now, I'll tell you, big labor's threat is real. That's why I've joined forces with the National Right to Work Committee. As you might have guessed, getting a vote on the National Right to Work Act is their top priority, and I've agreed to help the committee in this massive job of contacting up to 5 million Americans in the next few months. The committee plans to make every politician in Washington know that the American people do not support big labor's forced dues power. And every time in the last 40 years that there's been a public vote on right to work, big labor allies have gone down in flames at the ballot box. But it all starts with a public roll call vote. That's why it's vital you sign the petitions I've prepared in your name to your senators and congressmen demanding a vote on the National Right to Work Act. And why in addition to your signed petitions, I hope you will make a generous financial pledge of $50 or more to help the Right to Work Committee contact hundreds of thousands of principled Americans to help build grassroots support for the National Right to Work Act. Your generous contribution to the Right to Work Committee will help pay for a costly radio, TV, and newspaper advertising, which, if funds allow, the committee will run in targeted states. Plus, your contributions will allow the committee to mobilize even more support by briefing hundreds of newspaper columnists, editorial writers, and talk radio hosts. With your help, the committee will shine the light of accountability on those in Washington who keep feeding the power of big labor and force them to give back to working Americans their birthright of freedom. Um, Patrick Simmons, RightToWork.org. I rarely play sound bites from somebody else when I have guests on the line because it's just not very classy to do, right? I usually highlight the guests the best I can. But in this case, what Rand Paul's doing is so relevant, so germane to what we're working on, uh, and so spot on to your point. I thought it was worth um, giving that highlight uh, and then saying, you know what? You guys and um, Rand Paul are at the tip of the spear on this, right? Yeah, that's right, and, and uh, he's the, the lead sponsor on the National Right to Work Act in the Senate, 
and um, he's helping us, uh, you know, get people on board. Uh, petitions uh, matter, you know, working um, to, to make sure that, that everyone in Congress knows that their constituents are for freedom, um, putting, you know, when our, uh, when our uh, guys go down to Capitol Hill with a big stack of petitions, that's what gets uh, their attention, gets the attention of their staff. And so those petitions that Rand Paul's talking about are really important to forcing this vote because, you know, the easy thing, the thing that uh, Nancy Pelosi wants is to just not vote at all on this. Let it go quietly. You know, she can, uh, in the back rooms, uh, shake the hand of, of Richard Trumpka and the other union boss and say, don't worry, when we get in power, uh, you know, in the Senate and, and the White House, we'll do everything you want, uh, but not have to take a stand now uh, in a public vote before the 2020 election. Um, but that's that's why uh, we're working and we're working with Rand Paul on this issue, and it's, uh, it really is uh, important uh, because uh, you know, as as Rand said in that message, um, we know in the last election cycle, union officials admitted, if you look at all their public filings, admitted to spending two billion dollars on the 2018 election, and uh, it's not hard to to see that 2020, with everything going on, is is certainly going to be even bigger than that. Now, this is really important because in all the news cycles, this really could gain, in my opinion, wings. But with all the shootings or, uh, you know, fiascos uh, regarding China or it seems like everything but. But this is something really in the background right now that we need to basically push to the forefront for several reasons. One, we can get a roll call vote before the elections. Number two, we can use this discussion to see where people stand in the campaigns. There's no better time than right now, Patrick. I think that's right. I think, you know, the closer we get to the election, um, everyone's going to be focused on the horse race aspect of it. Uh, and, um, you know, some of the critical policies like this, like, like right to work, like the issue of, of forced unionism and forced dues, uh, you know, gets pushed to the background as they, they start talking about, you know, personalities and nicknames and everything else uh, that's going to come and, and, you know, poll numbers and what's the latest, uh, uh, you know, poll of, of Iowa or New Hampshire. Uh, but, but something like this that, you know, affects uh, millions of workers across America. And, and it's important to note the National Right to Work Act. Um, so obviously states with right to work laws, most workers are protected from forced dues right now. But federal law says airline and railway uh, workers, those covered under the Railway Labor Act, cannot be protected by a state right to work law. And that's another aspect of the National Right to Work Act is it takes that part of federal law away as well. So uh, this is um, this is really important to, to protecting millions of American workers who right now, every day they go to work, knowing they will be fired for not paying money to a union, even even though they, they, they may not want that union, they may have voted against that union, they may, uh, you know, be able to get a better raise, uh, a better working pay um, without the union contract, but the force of the union contract is forced to pay. All right, hang tight, ladies and gentlemen. Patrick Simmons, Patrick Simmons with us, RightToWork.org, doing a phenomenal job as always. Uh, Patrick and many others at Right to Work, along with Dr., or I should say Senator, I guess he's both, Rand Paul doubling down and the chief sponsor of the National Right to Work Act standing up for all Americans ladies and gentlemen why don't we say to the government writ large that they have to spend a little bit less 
Anybody ever had less money this year than you had last? Anybody better have a 1% pay cut? You deal with it. That's what government needs, a 1% pay cut. If you take a 1% pay cut across the board, you have more than enough money to actually pay for the disaster relief. But nobody's going to do that because they're fiscally irresponsible. Who are they? Republicans. Who are they? Democrats. Who are they? Virtually the whole body is careless and reckless with your money. So the money will not be offset by cuts anywhere. The money will be added to the debt, and there will be a day of reckoning. What's the day of reckoning? The day of reckoning may well be the collapse of the stock market. The day of reckoning may be the collapse of the dollar. When it comes, I can't tell you exactly, but I can tell you it has happened repeatedly in history when countries ruin their currency. Hey, listen up. This is a deep state alert. Former Texas Congressman Steve Stockman, who moved to arrest Lois Lerner for contempt of Congress, has been imprisoned by the very office that Lerner led. You heard right. Stockman hit the Obama administration hard, and they hit back with the full force of the federal government. The guy who said he wanted Mark Levin as Speaker of the House was the first to threaten Obama's impeachment, exposed Hillary's selling steel to the Iranians, and blocked both Obama's immigration and gun bills from even reaching the House. But Obama holdovers came after him in federal court with trumped up charges and have locked our guy up. Like many others, he was on Obama's hit list. Steve fought for us in Congress. Now we need to fight for him. Don't abandon this wounded hero on the battlefield. Let's help cover his massive legal costs. To chip in five bucks or more, text the word FIGHT to 444-999. That's FIGHT, F-I-G-H-T, to 444-999. Or go to DefendAPatriot.com. That's DefendAPatriot.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Patrick Simmons with us, righttowork.org, doing a phenomenal job. So we talked about Rand Paul doubling down, supporting and leading the charge for the National Right to Work Act. Stands up for all Americans, no doubt about it. Great job, great work, great focus. But, man, it's getting obliterated in the news, but we got to bring it front and center. Patrick Simmons uh, tirelessly working to do that. We're here to help, if you will. Two stories I want to get to before we let Patrick fly, though. Um, Michigan workers halt. Union bosses' tactics to undermine right to work. This is like a, the real battle on the ground, isn't it, sir? Yeah, this is, uh, you know, it, it, it just goes to show Michigan's been a right to work state for, for years now. Um, they, they passed right to work in 2012. It went into effect in early 2013. Uh, and yet union bosses there, that's, of course, the, you know, the home of the big three automakers and, and a long history of, of big labor uh, they simply are ignoring that law in, in Michigan, and uh, we are getting tons of workers coming to the National Right to Work Foundation and saying, I need legal assistance to force them to respect my rights. Uh, we've had well over 100 cases in Michigan for workers like that uh, since the Right to Work law passed, uh, and here we're talking about some, some additional ones. Um, and, you know, we, we are getting them prosecuted uh, we were stopping uh, a lot of their uh, tactics. We've seen um, unions, you know, they can't collect dues. Uh, dues become illegal, but they're still trying to go, and they're, they're filing um, claims in court, basically saying you owe us debt, and they're, they're sending it to debt collectors. Uh, we've sued to stop that, and we've, we've stopped them. Um, and we've got the National Labor Relations Board prosecuting uh, them for, for taking dues out of people's paychecks without their uh, consent and without the proper um, 
you know, procedures, but it, it's a real uh, battle and a long-term battle, and, and that's why we're talking about, you know, over 100 cases. Uh, we've, we've had more activity in Michigan since the right-to-work law than we did in the five years before the right-to-work law, and, and that really goes to show, uh, you know, union bosses, they, you'd think if, if you know, if, if – uh, if you have to get people to voluntary, voluntarily buy your product, you'd want to be nice to them. You want to try to appeal to them. You'd want to say, "Hey, you know, let me show you why it's worth the money." Um, but they don't take that tactic. Uh, they double down on the coercion um, and the threats, and, uh, and instead they, they basically just try to steal the money um, and trap people uh, with window periods where they say, "Okay, you can get out, but you have to wait a year, or you have to wait two years, or you have to wait three years." Um, and uh, it's taken a lot of uh, lawsuits, and, and a lot of them still continue uh, to really force big labor bosses in Michigan to respect the rights of the workers that they claim to represent, but we know, of course, uh, they don't. Upping the ante in this battle, in my opinion, is the Michigan workers. Okay, so the work by Patrick Simmons and the folks over at RightToWork.org and, and Senator Rand Paul and us and many others uh, is legendary. We've been at it for a long time. We've fought a lot of battles. We've highlighted those battles, brought them to your attention, encouraged Americans to get involved. But this is where we start to see, uh, in my opinion, the synergism happen. Now you've got Michigan workers that are simply doubling down and saying, you know, we've had enough of this. It's obvious to see the law has changed. You guys won't obey the law. Even people who used to maybe even – and not really quite understanding back unions, not realizing the force component or, or how evil the union was above them, are starting to wake up because, look, it's so out of step with the law that even if you don't agree or agree or like unions or not, or no matter where you are, it's so obvious in your face now of their Gestapo t- tactics that it's like even people who before were kind of like, oh, I don't want to get in that fight, now are going, I have no choice. And it's the Michigan workers and the synergism they bring to the table that's making this such an epic battle, isn't it? I think that's exactly right, and and um, you know, a lot of these workers, I don't think they they don't they're not looking to you know have to go and, and find a, an attorney to represent them and, and sue and take on their union. Um, a lot of them would they just like to be quiet, keep their head down, you know, keep that money, use it for uh, a vacation or school supplies or whatever they need for their family. Uh, but you know, when uh, when the union is is taking money that that you know you could use better uh, elsewhere, and they're doing so in violation of the law, you know, you just have to stand up for your rights, and and that's what uh, we're seeing, and we're seeing a a critical mass of it there. And the latest changes in Michigan law, as well as the big epic win at the Supreme Court, those two are putting it on the radar to where people are starting to clearly uh, see it. You know, when when they shine the light, the cockroaches run. Even people who normally wouldn't even be in this fight are just going, wait a minute now. Uh, and, and, and so they're starting to get engaged. And I submit to you, the workers really are the, are the component that, I don't know, what do you call it, the leavening of the bread, so to speak? Yeah, well, they're, I mean, they're, they're really the victims in this. They're the ones getting, getting run over. Um, and, uh, but but they're, they're starting to stand up for their rights. And I, I think it, it really does point to this, this massive disconnect. It's always been there, but it, it increasingly is coming to the surface between the, the union bosses, the ones at the top, um, and then the rank and file who, who, who have been told that these people represent them. But you see it every day, examples that they, they're, the union bosses are about their own power, their power in the state capitals, their power in Washington, D.C. They're not really concerned about what's going on in, in classrooms and in factories and, and on, the, on the floor of their workplace. 
Um, and, and a great example of that out of Michigan is uh, the United Auto Workers Union is currently in a huge scandal. Um, they were uh, stealing money from a workers' training fund, doing so with a uh, Chrysler um, company, and they got busted. One of their uh, vice presidents of the United Auto Workers just uh, got sentenced to prison yesterday. Um, he was uh, taking uh, tens of thousands of dollars. He'd charge uh, things. Uh, I think he uh, – one of the guys in the in the scandal uh, bought a Ferrari with this money. This is, this is money that's supposed to be used. Yeah, this makes you wonder where the mob ends and the union starts, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, this is – and the, the federal prosecutor and a federal judge have both called the, the United Auto Workers as an entity um, a co-conspirator in this, this big embezzlement uh, scandal. Um, and, you know, it's the workers who are getting sold out. Not only is their money being pilfered, the money's supposed to be for training them, um, but, you know, the, the, the union continues to claim this didn't affect the contract, but this guy who just went to prison – was one of the main negotiators of the contract that's supposed to be done with uh, Fiat Chrysler, which was the other co-conspirator, and together they were ripping off this training fund money. Um, so it basically it's, it's not believable that this didn't affect the contract, but uh, that's what they continue to claim because they can't admit basically that they they got a bad deal for the workers because they were so busy being you know fat and happy and. Uh, spending, uh, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. Well, and this is the example where where folks are going, hey, they used to represent me, but now this guy's driving around a Maserati while I struggle to, you know, get my car to run in the morning to get to work. What's going on around here? And that's where people start to see the rubber meet the road. I want you to highlight this point. You've alluded to it, but I want to bring it out clearly before we let you fly, Patrick. Michigan workers, um, well, okay, let me say this. Union faces federal prosecution for failure to disclose Forced fees amount. Uh, you mentioned this and alluded to it already, but highlight that a little more because I think that's a critical one too. Right. Well, um, yeah. So, so I mean, there's a basically there's a, there's a long-standing law that the unions have to. I mean, in Michigan, you can no longer be forced to pay any amount, but they they're supposed to even um, in states with forced dues, you're supposed to get the information up front. So this is what full dues are, and this is what the lesser amount that in a in a forced due state you can be required to pay. And until they present that information and it includes an independent audit, uh, they're not legally allowed to take any money. And so that's what's happening here. Uh, the union's not filing, not following um, that, and now they're being prosecuted uh, by the NLRB, uh, the Trump Labor Board, which unlike the Obama Labor Board, which would just look the other way uh, regularly when union bosses uh, trampled the rights of, of individual workers. Um, we're finally seeing some good action, particularly from the general counsel at the National Labor Relations Board now, um, who has told the regional directors across the country that uh, it's a real priority to prosecute these types of violations, uh, because otherwise what you have is you have workers illegally being forced to fund union politics. So the forced dues, the full, the full amount of dues um, goes to union politics, union lobbying, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, you know, campaign ads, and um, if, if if someone, if the union isn't following these procedures, then the effect is the union is getting to spend forced dues money illegally on the political uh, process, and uh, that's a big problem, uh, especially with everything going on um, with 2020 and the and the elections and and everything at stake. Um, that's a huge deal, and so protecting the individual rights of workers uh, against having their money uh, 
funding politics they, they disagree with uh, is critical. Bottom line, folks, as we continue to shine the light on this and as we continue to win in the courts and continue to gain uh, support from the citizenry every time, as Rand Paul highlighted, that this is laid out before the American people, the American people overwhelmingly choose right to work. And we've got to continue focusing on this, even though it's not something highlighted in your news today by the mainstream press. It is something that we've got to make sure we don't forget about. And right now we've got to strike while the iron's hot. Thank you so much, Patrick Simmons. We'll talk soon, brother. Right to work.org. He always does a phenomenal job. I'm telling you, those guys are some of the best workers for the sacred cause of liberty there is. And they just don't want force unions. They're fine with unions, just not the force. I agree. Your daily Liberty Newswire. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Chris Barnes. Finger pointing continues after two mass shootings within hours of each other over the weekend leave at least 31 people dead. House Democrats are calling on Senate Republicans to take up two bills they've sent to that chamber. One, to expand the universal background checks requirement for gun transfers between unlicensed individuals. Another bill would extend the background check review period to 10 days, closing a loophole. Meanwhile, the White House says it's serious about addressing the problem, top advisor to the president, Kellyanne Conway, says. This has to stop. Everybody needs to stop preening in front of the camera, stop raising money, Elizabeth Warren. I'm talking to you for Senate candidates off of this and stand up and work with us to stop that. She spoke on Fox News. Several countries now issuing travel warnings to their citizens about visiting the U.S. after the mass shootings, among them Venezuela and Uruguay. And this is USA Radio News. Balance of Nature. Changing the world, one life at a time. I'm loving my balance of nature. Since I started, I have not gotten one cold. I kind of fight everything. I get a little tickled, but it goes away. It's just uh, amazing the difference I felt. I want you to know how much I appreciate the uh, counseling and so forth and your attention to your people. I have been a pretty big advocate for the balance of nature. I don't know how many truck drivers have asked me how in the heck do you keep going at 88, 89 years old? I said, balance of nature. <laughs> if they want to really enjoy some good health, get on balance of nature. Experience the balance of nature difference for yourself. For a limited time, you can receive a 30% discount and free shipping on your first preferred order of balance of nature. Call 800-2468-751 or go to balanceofnature.com and use discount code USA. It's the 35th annual National Night Out tonight when cities and towns across America will hold events where police will better get to know the residents they serve and vice versa. In Boston, they got a jump on things holding some of those types of events last night where Mayor Marty Walsh said the city's done very well with protecting people at large outdoor events, but it's hard to protect against mass shootings. Whether it was the Vegas shooting, we responded in Fenway having people on the roof or driving a truck through a crowd in Paris, we, we block the streets in our city. Uh, we, we can work on trying to protect people from those type of shootings, but when you have what happened this weekend at, at a parking lot of a Walmart or inside a mall, it's a little different. One of the biggest buyers of U.S. agricultural products is stopping such purchases. China saying it's suspending purchase of all American farm products because of the escalating trade war and the president's latest threat of imposing tariffs on Chinese goods, effective the 1st of September. This is USA Radio News. I want to dedicate this song 
to Mr. Rupert Murdoch. All right, I was going to move on from the shooting, but Kurt's been emailing me sound bites and stories that we just got to cover. CNN's in the news, Kurt. That's right, Sam, and, uh, you know, the headline from CNN, or at least from, uh, you know, the uh, Breitbart boys, says uh, CNN confirms that uh, Dayton Shooter had extreme left-wing views. He backed Warren and Sanders. Uh, I don't see too much talk about that. I mean, all the blame is uh, that the president is all to Of course blame. it is. And yet, uh, you know, this doesn't seem to match that, does it? No. Now, Trump yeah. speaks on the mass shootings in Texas and Ohio. It's a 10-minute soundbite. I think Kurt wants me to play the whole thing, so we're going to do that. But I've got comments along the way because there's a lot I agree with in it, and there's a lot I disagree with in it. Donald Trump blatantly pushing for gun control, folks. We'll talk about that. Uh, But here's Donald's direct statements. Good morning. My fellow Americans, this morning, our nation is overcome with shock, horror, and sorrow. I agree. This weekend, more than 80 people were killed or wounded in two evil attacks. On Saturday morning in El Paso, Texas, a wicked man went to a Walmart store where families were shopping with their loved ones. He shot and murdered 20 people and injured 26 others, including precious little children. Then, in the early hours of Sunday morning, Dayton, Ohio, Another twisted monster opened fire on a crowded downtown street. He murdered nine people, including his own sister, and injured 27 others. The First Lady and I join all Americans in praying and grieving for the victims, their families, and the survivors. We will stand by their side forever. We will never forget. These barbaric slaughters are an assault upon our communities, an attack upon our nation, and a crime against all of humanity. We are outraged and sickened by this monstrous evil, the cruelty, the hatred, the malice, the bloodshed, and the terror. Our hearts are shattered for every family whose parents Children, husbands, and wives were ripped from their arms and their lives. America weeps for the fallen. We are a loving nation, and our children are entitled to grow up in a just, peaceful, and loving society. Together, we lock arms to shoulder the grief. We ask God in heaven to ease the anguish of those who suffer, and we vow to act Okay, I, I agree with this prayer. I agree with everything so far. We act. I'm getting concerned. With urgent resolve. We act with urgent resolve. I want to thank the many law enforcement personnel who responded to these atrocities with the extraordinary grace and courage of American heroes. I have spoken with Texas Governor Greg Abbott 
and Ohio Governor Mike DeWine, as well as Mayor DeMargo of El Paso, Texas, and Mayor Nan Whaley of Dayton, Ohio, to express our profound sadness and unfailing support. Today, we also send the condolences of our nation to President Obrador of Mexico and all the people of Mexico for the loss of their citizens in the El Paso shooting. Terrible, terrible thing. Now, I agree 100 percent with that, right? It's a horrible thing. And he's right. We need to stand together against it. No doubt about it. But when we start talking about terrorism and acting now, be very careful. Because when you start talking about domestic terrorism, then you start to say we're going to basically be able to prosecute people under War Powers Act, not under normal due process of law. Be very careful with the words they're using, folks. I'm warning you right now. Listen up. I have also been in close contact with Attorney General Barr and FBI Director Ray. Federal authorities are on the ground. And I have directed them to provide any and all assistance required, whatever is needed. Now, I would never make a statement like that. The president's saying I'm going to give all support 100 percent, whatever's needed. Well, that's a truck you can drive. Uh, you know, uh, that's a hole you can drive a truck through, right? Uh, legislatively, authority and funding must come from Congress, folks. Let's be very clear. The shooter in El Paso posted a manifesto online consumed by racist hate. In one voice, our nation must condemn racism, bigotry, and white supremacy. These sinister... Now, on the surface, I agree we must condemn that. But what does that really mean? Okay, they call people who believe in their American heritage or their European heritage as white supremacists. So we better be careful with the hate and the terms we're using because we can cross the line and attack good people. And then we can basically back them into saying, well, you're, you know, a precursor to a terrorist. You white supremacist, Kurt Crosby, Sam Bushman, you. And you know what? We better be very careful with this. Theologies must be defeated. Hate has no place in America. Hatred warps the mind, ravages the heart and devours the soul. We have asked the FBI to identify all further resources they need to investigate and disrupt hate crimes and domestic terrorism, whatever they need. We must recognize that the Internet has provided a dangerous avenue to radicalize, disturb minds, and perform demented acts. We must shine light on the dark recesses of the Internet and stop mass murders before they start. The Internet, likewise, is used for human trafficking, illegal drug distribution, and so many other heinous crimes. The perils of the Internet and social media cannot be ignored, and they will not be ignored. Now, I get it, but remember who created the Internet? The answer is Silicon Valley, in bed with government-controlled universities, in bed with the Pentagon, the NSA the CIA, and others. And so, you know what? Um, I agree that the Internet can be a perilous place. But I also wonder who's allowed the dark recesses to grow, grow, grow unchecked. In the two decades since Columbine, our nation has watched with rising horror and dread 
as one mass shooting has followed another over and over again, decade after decade. We cannot allow ourselves to feel powerless. We can and will stop this evil contagion. In that task, we must honor the sacred memory of those we have lost by acting as one people. Open wounds cannot heal if we are divided. We must seek real bipartisan solutions. We have to do that in a bipartisan manner that will truly make America. I'd rather have a nonpartisan than a bipartisan, but okay. Safer and better for all. First, we must do a better job of identifying and acting on early warning signs. I am directing the Department of Justice to work in partisan partnership with local, state, and federal agencies, as well as social media companies to develop tools that can detect mass shooters before they strike. Now, there you go. So you got the Justice Department with local law enforcement, with uh, Internet uh, issues, with these big tech companies. So on one hand, Donald tells you how bad the big tech industry is. On the other hand, he's partnering with them now for this preemptive idea to stop crimes before they ever start. And that sounds beautiful. I mean, who ever wants a crime to get started? Of course not me. The problem with that logic, though, is that how do you stop it before it starts? How do you say someone's guilty and or going to commit a crime before they do? How do you separate those who are really criminals versus those who are not, right? This gets very sticky. And can you trust the big tech companies that are all spying on you to do it right? Can you trust government to do that right? As an example, the monster in the Parkland High School in Florida, had many red flags against him, and yet nobody took decisive action. Now, that red flag term is interesting because that's where the laws are coming from. So Donald backing right into red flag laws, whether he intends to or not. Was it just a choice of words, or was it backing into red flag laws? Hard to tell. Nobody did anything. Why not? Second, we must stop the glorification of violence in our society. This includes the gruesome and grisly video games that are now commonplace. It is too easy today for troubled youth. All right, we'll talk about that. Donald's right on a lot of this. Uh, This is serious business, folks. And um, we've managed to get through uh, a little over half of it. We'll do the rest of the next segment, though. You're hearing from the president directly in his comments, his statement uh, on these shootings and what he intends to do about it. You know where the solution can be found, Mr. President? In churches, in wedding chapels, in maternity wards across the country and around the world. More babies will mean forward-looking adults, the sort we need to tackle long-term, large-scale problems. American babies in particular are likely going to be wealthier, better educated, and more conservation-minded than children raised in still industrializing countries. As economist Tyler Cowen recently wrote, quote, by having more children, you're making your nation more populous, thus boosting its capacity to solve climate change. The planet does not need for us to think globally and act locally so much as it needs us to think family and act personally. The solution to so many of our problems at all times and in all places is to fall in love, get married and have some kids. 
Have we realized the assault against our lives, our liberties, our faith? To defeat this assault, Christians and all people of goodwill should have strategies to prevail in our faith and principles, which are simple. No need for a complex formula. One goal, one aim. A strategy like the heroic Christians of the past. We win, they lose. Nothing less. Big Q, Little Q. The Calm Before the Storm by a friend of Megagoria. The Strategy of Heaven Revealed. Big Q, Little Q. The Calm Before the Storm. Available on Amazon.com or by calling Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000. Donald Trump makes a statement regarding his views of what happened with these shootings and what he intends to do about it. It's entitled Trump Speaks on the Mass Shootings in Texas and Ohio. I'm breaking it down for you, making comments. I agree with a lot of what he says, but some of it brings me serious, serious concerns as Donald backs and promotes gun control. Uh, And uh, that's the problem. Now, Donald's talking right now about how the video games are evil. And we've created a culture for our youth that's a serious, serious problem, and we've got to stop it. He's right on the point. The question is what his solutions will be. To surround themselves with a culture that celebrates violence. So he's saying, hey, these, these youth are surrounded by a culture of violence. He's right as rain. We must stop or substantially reduce this, and it has to begin immediately. Cultural change is hard. But each of us can choose to build a culture that celebrates the inherent worth and dignity of every human life. That's what we have to do. Third, we must reform our mental health laws to better identify mentally disturbed individuals who may commit acts of violence and make sure those people not only get treatment, but when necessary, involuntary confinement. Mental illness and hatred pulls the trigger, not the gun. Now, he's spot on on that. But the problem is he wants to get these people help and treatment. And the very help and treatment, nine times out of ten, these people are going to get are going to link them to the psychotropic drugs, which have a side effect of violence, a side effect of suicide, a side effect of depression and anger and hatred. But, of course, I bet he doesn't mention that. Fourth, we must make sure that those judged to pose a grave risk to public safety do not have access to firearms, and that if they do, those firearms can be taken through rapid due process. Now, that's a very scary term. What is rapid due process? And if you go to Donald Trump's earlier statements, A, take the guns, due process later. Is that what you mean by rapid due process, Donald? Because you're out in the weeds on that one, buddy. Due process isn't second to your emergency. That is why I have called for red flag laws, also known as extreme risk protection orders. Today, I'm also directing the Department of Justice to propose legislation ensuring that those who commit hate crimes and mass murders face the death penalty 
and that this capital punishment be delivered quickly. Now, my problem with this is these aren't federal crimes, ladies and gentlemen. The states are responsible for this. Donald's out of line and violating his oath when he calls on the Justice Department to propose legislation for the federal government to create literally hate crime legislation. Donald is off the beat on this one, too. He doesn't understand the supreme law of our land. I get the threat. I get it. It's how we deal with it that's the issue. Donald has no authority to have the Justice Department propose legislation to back hate crime death penalty. That is serious business. Because how do you define what a hate crime is? I know it sounds good in in the current linked logic that Donald's using. These are for mass murderers. But we always accept it on the extreme. But then it backs into the commonplace. And who will get caught in that, quote, dragnet, if you will? Be very careful, ladies and gentlemen. Decisively and without years of needless delay. These are just a few of the areas of cooperation that we can pursue. I am open and ready to listen and discuss all ideas that will actually work and make a very big difference. So is he open to discuss our ideas, Kurt? We're nationally syndicated talk show hosts. Is Donald ready to sit down and have a chocolate milk with us and discuss our ideas? I don't think so. Republicans and Democrats have proven that we can join together in a bipartisan fashion to address this plague. Last year, we enacted the Stop School Violence and Fix Nick's Acts into law, providing grants to improve school safety and strengthening critical background checks for firearm purchases. So now he's backing more background checks and he's backing federal government money going to local school districts. See, I reject both of those ideas. It's not the proper role of the limited constitutional government, folks. At my direction, the Department of Justice banned bump stocks last year. Again, another violation of our Second Amendment by Donald promoting gun control. We prosecuted a record number of firearms offenses. But there is so much more that we have to do. Now is the time to set destructive partisanship aside, so destructive, and find the courage to answer hatred with unity, devotion, and love. Our future is in our control. America will rise to the challenge. We will always have, and we always will, win. The choice is ours, and ours alone. It is not up to mentally ill monsters. It is up to us. If we are able to pass great legislation after all of these years, we will ensure that those who were attacked will not have died in vain. May God bless the memory of those who perished in Toledo. And may God protect them. May God protect all of those from Texas to Ohio. May God bless the victims and their families. May God bless America, thank you very much. Thank you. I couldn't agree more with the God bless part. Uh, and um, But then, you know, this legislation part. Kurt, do you think he's going to promote legislation that would let the good guys have greater access to guns to stop the bad guys? See, that's what I don't think is going to be happening. There was laws on the books that the Republicans could have passed before they lost control of the Democrats. That would have allowed what's it called reciprocity, which would allow like driver's licenses, your um, concealed carry permits to be usable in other states um, as well. But that got obliterated. But I don't know. 
Kurt, that I see uh, Donald and the legislation he's talking about being what you and I might deem uh, appropriate. Your thoughts of the whole thing, Kurt? I really like the last part, you know. Amen. Um, you know, where he, you know, basically says, may God bless him a number of times. And he's um, referencing the source of all the uh, the real protection we need. And yet uh, I'll bet that ticked off <laughs> liberals even more. Well, and I think he's right uh, when he points to that, although I don't see efforts to really push for that. He wants legislation. But when he talks about what's called fast or what did he call it? Quick due process or speak? What was the word? Yeah. Something due something process. like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Here's what he means. Listen. In the position or might take the firearms first and then go to court because that's another system because a lot of times by the time you go to court, it takes so long to go to court to get the due process procedures. Uh, I like taking the guns early, like in this crazy man's case that just took place in Florida. He had a lot of firearms. They saw everything. To go to court would have taken a long time. So you could do exactly what you're saying, but take the guns first, go through due process second. Take the guns first, go through due process second. Uh, Kurt, that's flat out against his oath. Defend Donald Trump, you know, whatever. All I'm telling you is that is against his oath. I'm not so sure that that flies, buddy. And that's the biggest concern that I have. And then when he starts backing into gun uh, or um, what do they call these things? F- uh, whatever flag, what's it called? R- red flag laws. Um, that's a serious concern. Uh, I don't know what to say about this, except for I don't support this, quote, speedy due process or whatever latest terms. Trump backs red flag gun laws. What do these really do, folks? is something that you've got to really understand. Trump, take the guns first, go through due process second. This scares me. And I'm not here to attack President Trump, but I am here to use this window of opportunity to influence him. Donald, President Trump, do you know what you're saying, my friend? Do you know what you're saying with this kind of a discussion? Right? And that's my concern. Any other comments on that, Kurt? I don't think so, Sam. All right. Take the guns first. Go through due process second. The Hill documented that. The soundbite that I played documented that. This is the President Trump's true feelings on these things. And I'm concerned, real concerned about that view that President Trump has. You think we can influence him, Kurt, to preserve the Second Amendment and to defend... Uh, his oath of office and, and, and understanding that hands in the or guns in the hands of the good guys is the answer. You know, I don't know for sure, Sam. I, it seems like um, these happen quite a bit. And if he's not really careful, he, like most of us, are uh, is influenced by the media. And, um, you know, if, if he was uh, able to see and uh, access all the media, you know, like, like the stories about um, Chicago and others where they, you know, basically had more shootings than those two shootings, you know, combined. And yet, you know, nobody really brings that up. 
Um, so to me, there's uh, there's a lot that could be done. It's uh, one of those things that you have to be very careful about doing when you are uh, in a uh, uh, area of leadership is uh, jumping to conclusions, you know. And, uh, you know, you've got to look things over it and then uh, keep a calm, cool head. Amen to that. All right. Alabama U.S. Senate candidates are responding to uh, calls for gun violence legislation. Kurt? Well, yeah, Sam, and, uh, you know, in this story from WHNT.com, um, you know, they they quote a number of different Senate candidates down there in Alabama. For me, the most important one and the uh, key one, of course, is uh, Roy Moore. And he released a statement to uh, WHNT News 19, and he said the uh, answers can be found if people turn back to God. He said uh, uh, in his statement, quote, mass shootings and senseless murders of innocent people are evidence of a moral problem in our country, not a lack of gun control. Liberals who want to take our guns continue to protest our inalienable a right to acknowledge God in our schools, our courts, and in the public square. Without God and recognition of the Christian religion, which once formed the basis of our society, we will continue to suffer national immorality, as according to George Washington, the father of our country, in his farewell address. As U.S. Senator Judge Roy Moore says, I will continue to support our rights under the First and Second Amendments in the U.S. Constitution. End quote. Couldn't have said it better myself. He's spot on. We're like-minded in the solutions, us and good old Judge Ray Moore. Uh, I commend him for his stance. I commend him for taking the opportunity to point out the real solutions, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, our prayers are that we can solve this. And again, I'm not here to attack President Trump, but I am here to say be very careful. Red flag laws are bad. Take the guns. Due process. Second, you're violating your oath, Donald. And this is an issue where we don't need the Justice Department at the helm of everything. What we need to do is let the states handle these things. Uh, And we need to uh, not have government federal funding for states. We need to separate that and have the federal government carry out its constitutional limited proper role. LibertyRoundTable.com, we declare this nation shall endure. God save the Republic of the United States of America.